Hey, New River, it is so great to have you guys with us today. I'm so sad not to be there with you. I love being able to worship together. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and I know we're now full bore into the Christmas season, so we're going to be worshiping Jesus and singing some incredible songs. One of my favorites is this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And in the first line of that song, it unpacks this powerful line where it says, and ransom captive Israel. I don't know if you've ever thought about what that actually means, but God had this covenant people that he wanted to bring to himself through a Messiah. And that's what the Christmas season is about. And so as we step into the Christmas season, I wanted to bring someone to begin to unpack for us what is in God's heart for Israel. Even as we look at Romans chapter one, it says that salvation is first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, meaning it's for the whole world. But God has a special place in his heart for Israel. Today, I'm asking Papa Don Finto to come and just share with our church God's heart for bringing Israel to himself and what role we get to play in that and what meaning it has for our lives. And so uh, we're having Papa Don here. He's a mentor and a pastor and just an incredible leader, one of the pioneering voices on bringing Jewish people into a saving faith with Jesus. Can you guys help me welcome today, Papa Don Finto. It's good to be with you. And, uh, and, and obviously, uh, Pastor Keith knows that this is a, one of the messages that I carry in life. I, I got involved with the Jewish people back during the Jesus movement when for the first time in 18 centuries, Jewish people were coming to faith and were remaining Jewish. For 18 centuries, when, when Jewish people came to faith, uh, and there were very, very, very few of them, but both the church and the synagogue said, you're not Jewish anymore, which is totally absurd, like to say to a Japanese, you're not Japanese anymore. But suddenly in the Jesus movement, there are now really hundreds of thousands of Jewish people that have come to faith since 1967. And, uh, so it's, and it's all a fulfillment of prophecy, and that's what I'm about. And before I get started on anything, there's, I, I brought some of the books, Your People Should Be My People. They're back on the table back there. If you haven't read that, then you're free to take one of them. And it, or if you've read it and you know somebody else that really would read it, you can pick it up and give it to them. And then if you've read that one, you might be interested in this one, which is a follow-up book. And I just reread it the other day. Just, and I thought, well, that's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> I'd forgotten what all was in it. But anyway, so those, those are two. And one interesting thing about this one is that, uh, that Keith and Megan's mentor, David McQueen, uh, there has his, uh, his testimony of how he came in to hold this thing on, on page 50 of here, where uh, he wanted to travel with me when he became a pastor. And I said, well, come go to the Messianic Jewish Alliance with me. And he thought, well, I'll tolerate whatever that thing is that Don has with Israel in order to go travel with him. And uh, when he got there, I gave him a, a manuscript copy of this. It hadn't been published yet. And I said, you know, you've, you can find out what we're getting into. So he thought that I wanted him to proof it. And so he had his red pencil and started, <laughs> although he had never written anything, he tells this. He's, I'm just telling what he said. And uh, we were driving up there and he, he uh, I'll, I'll just, on the flight to Pennsylvania, I began reading, making editorial marks in the margins, though I myself had never written anything. And when Don referenced Romans eleven twelve, I was stunned and perplexed. How could this man have so utterly misquoted scripture? I'd read those Romans dozens of times, often in the original Greek, 
and I knew the letter well, so I thought, and was confident that this verse was not a part of Paul's letter. And so I stood up to get my Bible out of the overhead bin to show Don his error. He asked what I was doing, and I told him I thought he had misquoted Paul. He smiled knowingly, assuring me that the manuscript had been well edited. I opened my Bible to Romans 11 and began to read. It was as if I had never seen this passage. I knew immediately that I was in a divine moment of revelation as the Father was inviting me to join in with his purposes for the Jewish people and their connection to world revival as their eyes were opening to their Messiah. Don and I continued on our journey to the Alliance Conference where we spent several days with Jewish believers and their covenant Gentile partners. I returned to Abilene, shared my newfound revelation with our leadership, began to take groups of leaders to Israel, and have become an advocate, an avid advocate for this newly resurrected community of Jewish believers. So anyway, that's uh, the people that, that Keith and Megan got this thing out of. So the, those books are out there. Okay, the, uh, the, the place that I want to go, uh, interestingly enough, if you've, uh, if you've never noticed this, the Roman letter particularly, Paul is writing to a, to a church that was founded by Jewish people that on the day of Pentecost went back to Rome, but then Claudius expelled the Jews from Rome, and so the leadership went into the Gentiles. But then now the Jews are back in Rome, and the whole Roman letter, it, it would be amazing. I've never done this, but I'm, I, I think I'm going to do it. It would go through the whole German letter and circle every time the word Jew or Gentile or something like that. It from, I mean, from Genesis, from, from Romans 1 all the way through, it's about Jew and Gentile relationship, as Keith just mentioned, Romans 1, 16. So what I want to do is I want to start by just uh, sharing with you the, the, all right, the, the ninth chapter, the 9, 10, and 11 are particularly focused on this. And there was a time when at Belmont, when I was still pastor at Belmont, I, I used 9, 10, and 11 as a message. And I didn't, I mean, I just spoke it. And the ambassador to France, Joe Rogers, was one of our members. And he came to me immediately and said, for the first time in my life, I understand why Israel is so important. I hadn't used my own words. I had just spoken the words of Paul in Romans 9, 10, and 11. No, Romans 9, 1 says, I could wish myself accursed for my people if they would come to the Lord. And 10, 1 says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they'd be saved. I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. And so they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. And then he just, and then he go, he ends that chapter by just saying, all day I've held out my hands to this obstinate people. And then he goes into Romans 11. And Romans 11 is one that we, that, I mean, just, I want you to listen to it. And then I want to just unpack a little bit of it. But just hear what Paul's saying in Romans 11. So I ask then, so just, just listen. I don't want you to necessarily look at your Bible. I just want you to listen to what, and see what you're hearing. And then let's go unpack it a little bit. So I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I'm an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? 
how he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, they've killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I've reserved 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And so also at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if it's grace, it's no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. So what then? What Israel so earnestly sought, they did not obtain. But the elect did. The others were hardened. As it is written in Isaiah 6, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they could not see and ears so that they could not hear to this present day. And David says, may their table be a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution to them. May their eyes be darkened so they can't see and their backs bent forever. So again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? I'm talking to you Gentiles. And as much as I'm the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if, if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough that's offered as first fruits is holy, the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches have been broken off and you the wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap of the olive root, don't boast over those branches. If you do, consider this. You don't support the root. The root supports you. You will say, well, some of the branches have been broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Don't be arrogant, but be afraid. If God didn't spare the natural branches, he'll not spare you either. So consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness, God. Sternness to those who fail and kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you'll be cut off. And if they don't persist in unbelief, they'll be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that's wild by nature, and contrary to nature, were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery. Israel has experienced a hardening in heart until the time the Gentiles is fulfilled. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant when, when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they're enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they're loved on the account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts 
and his calling are irrevocable. Now, just as you, who were at one time disobedient to God, have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all over to disobedience so that he may have mercy upon them all. Oh, the depth of the riches, the wisdom, and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments. His paths are past tracing out. Whoever has the mind of God, who's ever been his counselor, who's ever given to God that God should repay him, from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory. Amen. But there are no, there are no chapter headings in, in the Bible, in the, Paul's letter. I urge you, therefore, in view of that mercy, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. All right, now, what I want to do is I want to just grab some of the things that are in here and... and uh, well, and just highlight some of the things. One of the things is that we, did you get that? We are supposed to have made Israel jealous as a church. But what have we done? I hope you know enough history to know that we did the very opposite. We have persecuted them. We have put them in gas chambers. It was Christian Germany and Austria that put them in the gas chambers and killed them. It was a Christian, Ferdinand and Isabel in Spain that evicted them and confiscated their wealth and forced them to convert. And I was in Toledo, Spain, and there were, the chains were hanging on the wall there from which Jewish people were hung to their death in 1492. They're still hanging there. So we've killed them. We, weren't, we were supposed to kill them mercy. We were supposed to show them mercy, but we haven't shown them mercy. And then you got that thing that we Gentiles are the wild olive branches. But they were cultivated. You know what? God has groomed them. We weren't groomed. So now we're in there. So now, what I want you to see is, and these next three scriptures are really important. What I want you to see, and, and get the overhead on that if you can, in Isaiah, the sixth chapter, verses 8 through 12, because I want you to see this, that it is now time. And here's, here's the passage. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who shall go for me? And I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go, listen to it. Go and tell this people, be ever hearing. This is what Paul quotes in Romans 11. Go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused and their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. And I said, Isaiah says, Lord, how long? And here's the deal. He answers that question, and this is what I want you to see, that it is time now for Jewish people to come to faith. And this is why, I mean, this, it's still happening. We're getting, these, we're getting these messages every day. I'm reading things, that, I mean, for example, there was a guy named Ari who, who was a, a Jewish rabbi that came to faith here. And he's having difficulty because he's going to have to go back. He wants to go back to the Hasidic community, but he knows the price is huge. 
because he's going to be ostracized and, and persecuted and all that and may lose his family and all that kind of thing. But it's happening right now over and over again. One of our friends got a letter from a, got a phone call from another rabbi that wants a New Testament to read because he's beginning to believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah. So anyway, so here's the answer on how long their eyes are going to be closed. Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants. Until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged. Until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. Okay, now, the deal is, are the cities, anybody in here been to Israel? If you've been to Israel, you see that the cities are no longer, no longer deserted. They are without inhabitants. The houses are no longer deserted. The fields are no longer ruined. Therefore, do you get it? It's time for Jewish eyes to be opened today. That's why, and I'll get to that in a minute, but that's why it's important for you to make this a part. I'll get to that passage in a minute. But all right, here's another one. Look at Ezekiel, the 32nd chapter, verses 24 through 27. God says, I will take you out of the nations and I'll gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. All right, now here's the deal. When God says, I will take you out of the nations, plural, and countries, plural, it's today. This is the first time in history that Jewish people have come back from north, south, east, and west. Formerly, they came back from, from Egypt. That's the south. They came back from Russia. That's the north. They came back from Babylon. That's east. Never before in history until our day have Jewish people come back from the west to, to Israel. So when he says that, He's talking about our day. Now listen to what, it, what he says. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new, uh, and, and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And look this. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my ways. You get it? That's now. This prophecy is being fulfilled now. And part of what, I'll get to that again in a minute, God tells us, God tells us to bug him about this. That's my way of saying it. He said, I want you, I want you to keep reminding me of that. I'll, I'll show you the scripture in a minute. But it's, they're back in the land by the millions there's many outside of the land as there are in the land. And he's taken that heart of stone out of a few, out of a few. Well, of course, half a million or more worldwide. But there's still millions he hadn't done this to. And so ours is to, when we see that, we become Daniel's reading Jeremiah. You know what I'm talking about? When Daniel was reading Jeremiah and knew that Babylon was to, that they were to be in Babylon 70 years, he knew he was living in the time of prophecy being fulfilled. That's, I'm living in the time of prophecy being fulfilled. You're living in the time of prophecy being fulfilled. This is an important time that we're all living in. And our role is to, is to participate with God in bringing it about in prayer and, and gifts and any other way that we can do it. Okay, let me give you one more. Hosea 3, 4, and 5. The Israelites will live many days without king or prince. They've not had a king since 586 B.C., when Zedekiah was taken to Babylon. 
and without sacrifice or sacred stones or ephod or household gods. They haven't had a sacrifice since 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and his blessing in the last days. That's what the book says. They'll come trembling, and it's happening. And I want New River and every church I know anything about to grab hold of this because it's important that we participate with God in what he's doing in our generation. All right. Now, now you got, and then once they, once they come to the Lord, then let's put the Romans eleven twelve 12 back on the board, 11, 12, and 15. Because here, here's what Paul said in that Romans you just heard. If their transgression, they didn't accept him, means riches for the world, and their loss, because they didn't accept him as a nation, means riches for the Gentiles. Listen to this. How much greater riches will their fullness bring? See, that's what grabbed Todd McDowell's heart, that verse right there. That's what grabbed David McQueen's heart, that verse right there. Because he saw that, that it's the time and it's going to release greater riches in the whole world. And why are, we, why are we closer to world revival? Because of this. And then verse 15 says, if their rejection brings the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? And so it's world revival. And a part of that world revival, and see, I didn't know this till later. I'm, I'm learning in all this. I mean, some of these things I've known for quite some time, but, but, I'm, but I didn't have this Isaiah 19 highway until just a few years ago. But Isaiah 19, I'll just do verse 23 to 25. Look at this. This has never happened. This is our generation as well. In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and Assyria will come into Egypt, and Egypt into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. And in that day, Israel will be the third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth. The Lord Almighty will say, blessed be Israel, Egypt my people, Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance. Well, it's easy to find out for Egypt, but I mean, biblical Egypt was bigger than today's Egypt. And then the Assyria was Iraq and, and the, northern, the, the northern area. But he says, the time is coming. It's never happened, so it's happening in our generation. We've been to Egypt. We've been to Assyria to meet with brothers and sisters in these nations because they're all recognizing that this Isaiah 19 highway is happening in our day. There is going to be revival in Egypt. There is going to be revival in Assyria. The book says so. We're standing on that, on that promise. And then, of course, Matthew 24, 14 says, this gospel of the kingdom has to be preached to every ethnic group, and then the end will come. So that's a part of what's happening in our day. But it all, but it's, the salvation of Israel connects to all of this. Well, all right, here's the next thing. We are, you, as a believer, are challenged biblically to pray for Israel. You hear me? As a believer, you are challenged biblically to pray for Israel. How do I know that? Okay. Look at, look at Psalm 122, verses 6 and 7. 
Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. That's a command. When God gives a command, he gives the ability to obey it. Otherwise, it would be torture. And you're under the command of God to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But if that's not strong enough for you, look at Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7. You who call upon the Lord, that's you, give yourselves no rest. Give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the whole world. I'm assuming that all of you have read Revelation 20 and even Zach, maybe you haven't read Zechariah 14 as much, but Jesus is, the Lord comes back, his feet touch the Mount of Olives. When all, when the whole, all the nations are turning against Jerusalem and that's when he comes back, touches the the feet of the Mount of Olives and the, that eastern gate will be open because there's a geological earthquake and, God, and Jesus becomes king of the whole world. And Isaiah, I mean, uh, Revelation 20 tells you that that's the thousand-year reign and the devil is bound for a thousand years, then released for a little while and then we go into eternity future. So, that's the command that we have. Now, one other thing that, that is the undergirding of this that I want to challenge you with, too, I want to put this, this scripture on the, on the board, uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, because this makes it very palatable. If you really want, I genuinely believe that according to this scripture, that if you really want to walk into the fullness of God's blessing, you will bless Israel and the Jewish people. Why? Because they're our host family. If some Jew at some point in the past hadn't spoken to a Gentile, you wouldn't know. The gospel didn't come to Gentiles. It came to Jews. And the Jewish people were told that they would be a light to the nation. That's in Isaiah 42, 6 and 49, 6. That they were, their destiny is to be a light to the nations. And the challenge that God gave to his apostles was that they would be his witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And he says to them, go and make disciples of the nations and then teach them to observe what I've told you. I was, I was in Kona one time and was going to speak the next morning and I thought I, I thought I heard the Lord say something. And I thought, well, I never thought about that. But, and so I checked all the scriptures that I knew. But what I realized was, now, hold, bear with me that Gentiles were never given the command to evangelize the world. Now, don't get mad at me yet. The reason why we have that command is because the Jewish people were told to send the gospel to us and then tell us to do what they did. You see what I'm saying? If, you, if we separate ourselves from a Jewish heritage... There's no command for us to evangelize. The reason we have a command to evangelize the world is because Jewish people brought the gospel to us and said, now do what we did. But I challenge you to find a single passage of scripture that where Jesus spoke to Gentiles and said, evangelize the world. 
Now, Paul did it because Paul understood that people were grafted in. So anyway, but so, so let me now read this. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you and I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And there's two different words for curse there. One, I will curse, which is a really horrible word for curse, for curse, those who treat you lightly. And all the people on the earth will be blessed for you. Now, one of the things I want to challenge you is get rid of all anti-Semitism inside of you. Stop making jokes about Jews, about money or whatever it is. They are God's host people. We're to bless them. We're to honor them. I've come to faith because a Jew spoke to a Gentile somewhere. Now, it's my role to, because we're living in this prophetic time, it's my role to help bring them back into the fold. All right. Now, I don't think I have overheads for this, but if, I'm not sure that I do. But I want to give you just to show you something else here, one of the things that early on challenged me, I was, I was sharing with a, with a whole cornelia packed hippie Jesus freaks sitting everywhere. And so that, I mean, there was a time when I used to preach at Belmont that I had to, when I get up and preach, I had to do like this so that I wouldn't step on people. And then I had to stay still because... It was packed all around me. So I'm sitting in that, and I had been reading Luke with these Jesus freaks. And, uh, and I got to Luke 21, and I was, really, I was really screaming to God because I knew what Luke 21 was. It's the parallel to Matthew 24 and Mark 13, where Jesus is talking about what's going to happen in the future, and I didn't understand it, a lot of it. So I, I said to my hippies turned Jesus freaks, Let's read this through one more time and just ask the Lord for revelation. Well, thank God he gave it to me. It was while I was reading at that time in front of those that all of a sudden I saw something. And here's the thing. Three different verses I'll mention to you. Luke 21, 20 says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by the enemies, you will know that its desolation is near. Now, everybody would, should know that that's the, that's the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans in 70 A.D., Luke 24 says they will be that the Jewish people will be scattered to all the nations and Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time the Gentiles is over. Jerusalem will be trampled on by Gentiles and they have been by the Turks and the Romans and the, and, and the British and the Byzantines and, and the Crusaders and all that. Jerusalem has been trodden on by Gentiles. From the, time of, from the time when they lost the temple until 1967. 1967 is the first time an Israeli state has been in charge of Jerusalem since Babylonian captivity. So I believe that verse 24 was fulfilled in 1967 because Jerusalem was trampled on by the, the British were the last ones, until 1967, they didn't take Jerusalem in 1948. Well, then verse 28 says this. 
when you see these things beginning to take place, and I have seen them beginning to take place, stand up and lift up your head because your redemption is near. I think what that's saying is that we have moved into a different prophetic timetable since Jerusalem was taken by, by, by Israel in 1967. Now, he goes on and says, and, and, and I'll just throw that out. It's a possibility. But in verse 20, 32, I don't didn't have it up, but in verse 32, he says, this generation won't pass away until all these things have happened. Well, obviously, he's not talking about the generation that he's talking to because they're long since gone. So it must be the generation that begins to see this. Does this mean the longest that a generation can be in biblical history is, is 100 years? Is this saying, I'm simply asking the question, I don't know the answer to this. Is this saying that this whole thing's going to wrap up before, sometime between now and 2067? It could. Because Jesus only said that we wouldn't know the day or the hour. He didn't say we wouldn't know the season. So now, in view of all that, how are we to respond? And, and here are some of the things I just wrote down. Ask the Lord to cleanse your heart of every vestige of anti-Semitism, every kind of prejudice or anything that you have against the Jewish people. And ask the Lord for ways to show them mercy. Be aware this is very important. Be aware that the world media is against Israel. And, I'll, for example, I'll give you one, one example. Years ago, in the New York Times, I think it was, there was a picture of a Jew beating up a Palestinian. And I, I, it's, it's, this is in one of the books, I think, but anyway. But there was a man in New York that wrote the paper and said that was not a Jew beating up a Palestinian. That was a Jew helping my son who had been beaten up by Palestinians. That was my son on the ground that the Jewish people, police, were helping him. They weren't beating him up. They had been beaten up by the Palestinians. You see what I'm saying? They're, they will turn everything they can to make it look like Palestine. Look, I mean, believe me, we've been there, Todd and I, Todd and Rachel and I and Moses have been there many times. We've, we've, seen, we were, I was on an air, at an airport space in Israel one time. Their, their people would be court-martialed ever for killing an innocent person. When they were bombing in Gaza, they sent leaflets down to warn people that they were going to bomb so they could get out of the way. But the Palestinians intentionally have their bombing places in schools and hospitals so that Israel won't bomb the place that they're sending all these rockets out recently. And they're sending like hundreds of rockets into Israel. But if Israel responds and tries to wipe them out, that makes the world media. And so we have to realize that we're going to be deceived. And then I would encourage you, and I realize this is a little to take from doing, but to uh, learn to speak sensitively to Jewish people. I mean, let them know, for example, they may never agree with you, but let them know that you worship their God. You worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Christianity is not a new religion. It's fulfilled Judaism. And, and most, of the, most of the believers that I know, that we know in the land, don't call themselves Christians because it sounds like they've joined, a, they've converted to another religion. And they haven't. All they've done is they've recognized their own Bible and have recognized Yeshua as their Messiah. There was, uh, there was one time I was leading the prayer at the governor's prayer breakfast, and it was years ago, and Rabbi Falk was the rabbi then at the Orthodox synagogue, and he was sitting beside me because he was going to read the Old Testament scripture. And when I finished my prayer, I said, and I bring this to you in the name of Jesus. And I sat down by Rabbi Falk, and he said, I appreciated the way you said that. I said, well, I don't expect you to pray in the name of Jesus, but I do. And I was having dinner with another rabbi from New York, and he said, the day Christians quit praying in the name of Jesus in front of me, I don't trust them for any of that. What else will they compromise in order to help somebody? So, and yet, it's happening right now, guys, that Christians are compromising when they're, I mean, love the Jewish people, but you cannot compromise your relationship to Jesus. And when we have relationship with Jewish people, we want them to come to the Lord. We don't, we don't want to just bless them in their, in their not knowing. We want them to come to the Lord. So, and then, of course, the other thing is pray. Because you were told to pray. The time is here for them to return to Messiah. And live in a way to make them jealous and show them mercy. And then give to, to Jewish ministries that affirm this newly resurrected community of believers. There's a uh, Christians United for Israel. Let me see. Christians United. Anyway, I'm afraid to say what it is now. But anyway, there's an organization that Rabbi Eckstein was a part of that led. He's gone now, but I think his daughter's still leading it. That really appealed. They, they got millions of dollars from Christians. And some of it went to the Yad Lachim in Israel persecuting Jewish believers. So be aware of who you're giving it to. And then... There's one more passage that I, that I had in, uh, in Romans 14, 27, and I don't think I have it up there. But, you know, if you could, I don't know if you could put it up there or not, but it just happens to be a 14, 27. Oh, excuse me, 15, 27. Yeah. They were pleased to do it. Indeed, they owe it to it. If the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. So... That's our care. Now, has, has the Lord spoken to you? What I, mean? I mean, it's not interesting what I'm saying, but did God speak to you while I'm talking? If he did, take notes on him and, and obey. New River needs to be a congregation. Pastor Keith wouldn't have me up here if he didn't know I was going to say something like this. Everybody who's part of New River needs to have this heart. And one of the reasons why David McQueen feels that Beltway Park is so blessed is because he learned to bless Israel. So I just pray in Jesus' name that as New River more and more grabs hold of this, that the blessing of God will flow in and through you to others. So the Lord bless you. You want me to go ahead and do the, the benediction now? The Yavarakaha? Everybody stand and let's, uh, let me... Yeah, it seems like I always have to 
grab hold of some of these ever, ever other apostolic prayers to sort of uh, get us limbered up for that one. Um, so may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement. Grab hold of it because he gave it to us. Gave us eternal encouragement. May he encourage your hearts and equip you with every good deed and word. And yes, this personally worded from the Almighty himself said, I'll put my name on you when it's spoken. The Lord bless you. Receive it and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. And if he does, you're going to radiate. And as Gary Paxson says, if you're happy, notify your face. And, and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. And the congregation said, Amen. Amen.